theyeshiva.net. Shalom Aleichem to one and all. Thank you for making the trip and gracing us with your uh, wonderful presence. Let me tell you how this came about, what I'm planning to do, and uh, we'll move on from there. So, someone called me around a year ago. His name is David Schattenstein. He lives in Florida. And he says to me that uh, he meets a lot of people and they're struggling in their marriages and uh, they're already married with children, many of them, and they're just miserable. And what could be done about this? So I said, what do you think? I don't know why you're calling me. So he said that he was once at a lecture when he was newly married of mine, and I said something and it saved his marriage. I said, what did I say? <laughs> Maybe I can uh, market it. <laughs> it. was just, he heard something, you know, he, I guess he was in a particular space, and I was in a particular space, you never know what people hear. heard something I said, it, say, it changed his entire approach. So he suggested this, he said, why don't we invite Bachrim who are engaged, or married, newly married, or in that stage of life, for a... Uh, for for a learning session on these on these these issues, I said, "Let me think about it." It was it wasn't really my tchum so much. So around a year later or eight months later, we're here. So I do want to thank uh, David and Ida Schattenstein for bringing making it all happen and sponsoring it and all the food and all of the expenses and everything involved. His sister Miriam, who's the Miriam, you here? Okay, I'm not thanking her anyway. I also want to thank the hosts. I was planning to do it in the shul, where I, uh, the shul that I have. But the host, his name is Yosef Moss, Rabbi Yosef Moss, Yosef and Miriam Moss graciously uh, offered their home. Beautiful here in the forest. So you can have a Balshamtev experience. And uh, I thought it would be more conducive for this type of uh, event. So that's the reason that we're here. I also invited a therapist. He's one of the top marital therapists in Muncie uh, and has tremendous hatzlach in this tchum, both pre-marriage and after marriage. In good situations and in difficult situations, he had tremendous hatzlach. His name is Reb Moshe Zev Lam. He's going to come here at 4.30 and he'll do his presentation and take his questions and answers. Um, so that's the, that's the goal, that's the plan. The goal is really one very simple thing. A very the mission statement of this hisvaadus, or this shir, or this seminar, this workshop, whatever the name is, is really to help us all experience great marriages, happy marriages, meaningful marriages, holy marriages, inspiring marriages, wholesome marriages, and loving marriages, harmonious marriages. Uh, you're all at an age you're more mature. And you know probably, either from your own family or friends, that it's not always that way. And uh, there are a lot of issues that come up in earlier years or later years. And of course, a lecture like this or a session like this, even if it goes for quite a few hours, it's wonderful, it's excellent. But I do have to say at the outset... It can't deal with every conceivable uh, issue and chas v'shalom crisis and dilemma. But 
sometimes preventive medicine can be exceptional, and sometimes tools are, and ideas and seeds are planted in people's minds that can be used either immediately or in later years. The Yusayda Yusaydas, the fundamental truth that I think is extremely important to understand is to quote the words of the Gemara and Masech Tesayta Daf Yudzayin, I think Rav says, Ish v'isha zachel, shechina shruya b'neihem. When a husband and a wife are zachel, they merit, the shechina is there with them. The Rebbe used to teach zachel from the word, not schus, but from the word shemen zayis zach. Zakus, refined, you know, zach, when something is very clear, when something is pure. Ish v'isha zachel. When a man and a woman are refined, they refine themselves. They're pure. They have a pure relationship. Shechina shriya b'neya. Shechina is there in the home, in the marriage, in the relationship. What that means in simple English is, when you manage to have a good marriage and a good relationship, there's nothing like it. It's the greatest blessing in the world. When you manage to have a miserable relationship, there's nothing like it. It's the greatest curse in the world. I'm not here to compare blessings and curses. Everybody should have all the blessings in the world. But it's, 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 it, trust me, it ranks right on top of there. I've seen and heard enough of my life to say this with absolute authority. Besides that, the Gemara says that somebody who has a miserable marriage after 120 years doesn't go to Gehenna. You know why? They've been there already. <laughs> they've been there already. And every year they go through another Shiva Madhurya Gehenna. Baruch Hashem, they've been there. They go straight to Ganeid. You know, they say, I'm old. Good. This is one of the good ones. <laughs> there was a guy. It's like a Vod Fazindikin. He wanted to eat Chazib with Chalo Shabbos. So he goes to Arav and he says, What should I do? What do you want from me? He says, I'm afraid of Gehenna. He says, Marry a miserable woman. She'll make your life a disaster, and then when you die, he goes to Ashatch and he says, I need the biggest machshefer of the century. Sets him up on a date. Two dates. Gemacht. Achuppe. Pshatayvo matzlachas. Now he could sin. Ad zibula basrayis until his last breath. The day after the wedding, He's in bed, and she comes in with two trays of food, with omelets and croissants and fresh juices and all types of uh, cheeses. He's like, what's this? She says, the first month after the wedding, I don't want you to get out of bed. I'm going to serve you. And every day it's getting better and better and better. After two months, the guy is plotting. He never saw such a kind woman in his life. He goes over to her and he says, something is wrong. You know, you don't have the reputation of being such a nice person. Like, what's going on? Why are you so nice to me? She looks at him, she says, you idiot, you shite. You think I'm going to avoid you from going to hell? (laughs) (laughs) Never, never, never. (laughs) The fact remains, after all of the humor, that... When you have a beautiful relationship, Pashat in Gashmias and in Ruchmias, you have a beautiful life. Remember, life is not simple. 
Life has its ups and downs. Everybody got a pekele in one way or another. Because that's the neshama comes down to Elam Hazah. And everyone has a journey to do. But when you have a good relationship, everything is different. You have a partner. You have a best friend. You have somebody there for you, with you, 24 hours a day. When you have a bad marriage, somebody is with you 24 hours a day, driving you crazy 24 hours a day. It's not like a chavrusa you don't get along with in yeshiva. You don't get along with yeshiva, you say, how about get and talk, have a wonderful day, find yourself another chavrusa, and you find some excuse why you can't learn with them. You have migraines, you're going to the doctor, whatever it is, you work it out. Your dorm, the guy in the dorm, you can't deal with, he's a mess, he's not responsible, he leaves the door, whatever it is, you figure it out. It's not always easy, some of you know. You have a roommate who's a disaster. Okay. So you try to get another room. But here, what do you do? You get another room? So some people do that. They move into another room. But when you're married, it's a kesher l'aylam vod. So some people get divorced. I don't know where that's a big house. Huh? <laughs> that's if you live in Muncie. If you're staying in Brooklyn for a while, you don't even have that. But the point is, very, very vital. And that is, investing in a good relationship is not extra credit. You don't do this when you have spare time. You don't do this with Nimishur Sadin. Why not have a good marriage? This will define so much of the future of your life. And whatever Tchum you go into, whether you go into Tchum Ashlichis, you go into Tchum Rabbanis, you go into Tchum Achinoch, you go into any Tchum of Avaydus HaKaydish, Yisachar and Zvulun, Lasis Lo Yisbarach, Dirya Betachtayinim, in any form and fashion, this makes it and breaks it to a significant degree. Which is why it's so important. And I cannot stress to you enough, as you are all starting off fresh, either you're newly married, or relatively newly married, or getting married, or thinking about marriage, or engaged, wherever, whatever say you are, as the Baal Shem Tov says, the first thought that we begin with when we wake up, sets the tone of the day. The way you begin sets the tone of the day. Now, truth be told, when I invited the therapist to come, he says, what do you want me to speak to people who are not married yet? Or speak who are married the first year? Send them back to me after 10 years of marriage. <laughs> so there is that truth. And you know already what's going on. And you know the challenges. That's one in you. We all know preventive medicine is the best type of medicine. So even though it comes with the concern that people are not fully aware what they're getting into and what's involved, that's true. But, I say, you always try to minimize any possible obstacle. Now, some marriages are just smooth. You don't need to sit here. Some of you have seen by your parents great marriages, maybe your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, your grandparents, and so forth. Some people have had the opposite experience. Most of us are in the middle of the road. You know, we haven't seen maybe the greatest marriages, we haven't seen the worst marriages. But the point is, Wherever you are, some people are easy type, they're just easy going. Some women are very easy going, I don't know where, but some of them are easy <laughs> There was a shliach on Rosh Hashanah, there was a shliach on Rosh Hashanah that uh, he gets up, he has to say his first joke. So he says like this, what's the joke of the year? What's the joke of the year? So he says, the joke of the year is three, three women... We're sitting on a bench in the park, each one minding their own business. Okay, right? So, uh, Baruch Hashem, 
Baruch Hashem. This is why I say to you, it's really critical to invest in this. And invest not as a negative and difficult thing. Invest as a beautiful opportunity to be able to have such a type of relationship. There's a word I once saw in Svarim, and I, 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 I've repeated it many times because I really cherished it. We all know that the Shevet of Kedusha was Shevet Levi. They were chosen for the Shevet of Kedusha. Why then? The natural reason is because Cheta Egel, they were the only Shevet who didn't worship. By Yasuei love, Kol Bnei Levi, the only one. So the Avoida went from the Pcherim to the Levim. I'm assuming you have this basic knowledge, right? If not, you can ask me. It's fine. I don't mind. I'm just assuming and I'm not going to explain what a Pcher is and what a Levi is. Although today's system, I'm not sure. But I assume that you have this basic knowledge. At least Ruben Kukulam. If not, you can ask. It's fine. And I'll, anyway, I'll explain the point even if you don't understand all the details. Just like when everybody is part of it. But the question is, one second, that's Shevet Levi after the Ego, but already in Mitzrayim, Shevet Levi wasn't working, Rashi says Moshe and Aaron could come and go whenever they want, because Shevet Levi was off. That means Shevet Levi already before the Chet Ego, before Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, before Golos Mitzrayim, had a special status of holiness. Why? What? When? Where? What's up? You look in Chumash for any story about Levi or Shevet Levi, there's no story. The only thing we know is that he killed out Shechem together with Shimon. That doesn't uh, seem to come qualify so much for this. Yaakov was upset. Shimon and Levi tried to kill Yosef. Rashi says, So we look for codes. Where does Levi come to Kedusha? Where? There's only one thing we know. Yaakov and Leah had a difficult relationship. I prepared here. She's going to email you a mimer from the Alter Rebbe about this, that I hope to learn at the end of the seminar, the last thing, a very short mimer about this. Huh? She posted it. In Yerachal a difficult relationship they had. Reuven, Ra Hashem Ba'anyi. Shimon, Shoma Hashem Kisnu Anoichi. Hashem saw my pain, he heard that I'm hated. Levi, Hapam, Ilove Ishi Elai. When Levi was born, Leah looked into his eyes and she said, she felt, now my husband will become closer to me. How did she know? So the Ksava Kabbalah says, because when you have one boy, you hold him in one arm. You have a second child, you hold him in a second arm. You have a third one, you tell your husband, get off the couch. I have only two arms. Hapam, I have a third child. He love He's going to start doing some stuff in the house. The Ksava Kabbalah. But how did she know? Hapam, you love Yishelah. Maybe not. The answer is Leah. You know, you see a baby. Butz and Butz in the Gemara says. You see a baby. She saw in Levi's eyes that he's going to bring Yaakov and Leah together. Hapam, you love Yishelah. What's the definition of Kedusha in Yiddishkeit? Bringing people together. Bringing couples together. Ishri Yishezachu, Shechina Shreya that's the definition of Kedusha. Levi is the Shevet of Kedusha because Levi caused a deeper unity between Yaakov and Leah. Which means all your education, all our education in Yeshiva, in Chede, in Talmud Torah, in all the Yeshivas, all the years, all of your learning, Nigla, Siddhas, all of your davening, all of your growing up, 
all of your commitment and dedication, what's the Evan HaBoychen that it's real? The Evan HaBoychen is real is what type of family life you create, what type of marriage you create, what type of Shalom bias you have. I remember when I got married, I was telling my sister about, you know, the change from a Bachel life to a married life. And she said, you remind me of this doctor who went to medical school for 20 years, <laughs> and he's reading medical texts, and then they tell him, there's an emergency, somebody was brought into the hospital, he says, I don't have time, I'm reading medical texts. So she said, well, this is it. <laughs> this is the ultimate, this is the purpose. Now, the muscle is not exactly an accurate one for obvious reasons. It's not that the learning is only a for that, it's a ninyan bifneatzmai. But the point is, Godel Talmud, Shemevile the whole effect of Aveda, of Pnimius, of Yerushamayim, of Bittel, of Iskashros, of Chsidus, everything you learned about for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, where is it expressed in actuality? Where do, where do you have to implement it? Where does it have a real impact one way or the other way? Where does it become real or fake? First and foremost, how you deal with your spouse. What type of home you have. And then later, Be'ezer Hashem, with your children. What's the most important thing? The Yisoyed HaYisoydis, I should say the most. One of the most important things is trust. Trust. Loyalty. Dedication. There's nothing that substitutes trust. There's a lot of important things. You want to be attracted to a person. Physically and emotionally. You want to like a person. You want to love a person. You want to get along with a person. You want to have a great life in Gashmiz and Ruchniz together. What's the key? Trust. What does Hashem say about Avram Avinu? Umotsasa. What do we say about Avram Avinu? Umotsasa es lavavoy. You remember in the morning. Umotsasa es lavavoy. Neemon lafanach. Neemanut in Hebrew. What's Neemon? Neemon is? Neemon. Bagleipt. Loyal. Trustworthy. A marriage, to be happy and successful, there has to be absolute trust. Trust is not 90%. Trust is not 99%. Trust is not 99.9%. That's not trust. Trust is 100%. That's why in a mikveh, if one here is out of the water, no, kaput. Who cares? A little dirt in my nail, a little chatzitza. Complete, wholesome, complete trust. Because of this trust, 90%, 85%, what's that bond is not there. I can't be fully present. If I think maybe, maybe, maybe there's a 2% chance you're going to backstab me. There's a 2% chance you're going to betray me. There's a 2% chance you're not going to be here for me. It's not the same. So in a business partner, it's fine. You're doing business together, it's fine. But in a spouse, it's not going to work. It's not gonna, it, it may work, it may work. You'll be like business partners. But it won't business. be... Huh? Why does it work in business? It's good if you trust 100%, but the trust has to be about one thing. Trust has to be that he's not a ganath. <laughs> Here, the trust is not that she's not a ganath. 
that your wife is not going into your bank account and taking out the six and a half dollars that you have. <laughs> I mean, hopefully one day six and a half million dollars. Yeah, you should trust that your wife is not a ganav. It's a good thing. But that's not going to do it for you. So my wife is not a ganav. That's wonderful. Wow, you have an unbelievable marriage. That's all the surmira, the shlila. I'm talking trust. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my identity. I trust you with my heart. I trust you with my neshama. I trust you with my secrets. I just trust you. And she, I trust you and she, she, I trust her and she trusts me. A hundred percent. The nemonos. I have your back. She has my back. You have her back. Unequivocally. Absolutely. That you could feel she's the most important person in your life. And she feels you're the most important person in her life. How do you get to this place? You have to get to this place. If you get to this place, this is more important. I'll tell you why. Disagreements doesn't destroy a marriage. Disagreements, in fact, is a very Jewish thing. It's not a mitzvah, essay, mamish, to disagree on everything. You have to learn the art of compromise. But there's going to be disagreements. Unless you're both zombies or, or robots or machines. There's going to be disagreements. You have a personality, she has a personality. That's not what makes or breaks a marriage. What makes or breaks a marriage is if there's no trust. If you're disagreeing with me and I see it as a lack of trust, I feel a negativity. I feel that I can't trust you. You don't have me. You're not here for me. You don't love me. You're not dedicated to me. And she feels I'm not dedicated to her fully. I'm a stranger. It's not just I'm disagreeing with you because I have a different mahalach, I have a different opinion, I have a different perspective. It betrays the trust. That is a key issue. Real trust. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. For this, you need always the first thing, the first language of intimacy in Chumash. Adam yoda eschav. Adam nuchav. And she had a baby. Now from knowing people, you don't have babies. Baruch Hashem, I know a lot of people. Yoda, as it says in Tanya Peter Gimel, Loshen, Hiskashrus, Vihishabrus, right? Das. The end of Tanya Peter Gimel. Yoda is a euphemism. It's a marshal for a relationship, for intimacy. Why does it try to use this language? Because intimacy in English is three words. Into, me, see. Into me see. Ha'adam yodas chava. I have to be able to know chava. And chava has to be able to know Adam. What does it mean I know you? There's openness. There's transparency. I could speak about my insecurities. You could speak about your insecurities. I could speak about my heart. You could speak about your heart. I could speak about things that bother me and things that bring me joy. I could just be real. You want to be able to be real with your wife. Authentic, open, honest. You can't do that with everybody in the world. It's a tough world sometimes. We all have masks. Chassidim are supposed to have less masks. At least if they work on themselves. But what you want here is complete trust, complete dedication. Anything that reaches that is something that you have to be very, very careful with. This means... If something is bothering me, I have to be able to share it with you. Because if not, if I just say, I can't deal with this person. What happens? We just became distant. And tomorrow, it happens again, we become more distant. And in a year, you're living in China, 
And she's living in Los Angeles, emotionally. You're living in Antarctica, and she's living in South Africa. Remember, you have two lines together, the famous marshal, right? They start going in a different direction. The difference is very little. This line is going this way, this line is going this way. But as it continues, <laughs> in the beginning it's just a little, little chilek. You could bridge it very easily. But it continues, what happens? At the end, I'm on that side, I'm in west, and you're in east. It doesn't start like this. We're going together. But I just turn here a little bit, you turn here a little bit. This is what often happens in marriages. It's not always dramatic. We get into a huge fight. No, we're not talking about that. There are those marriages too. But we're not being chayshed at this situation. Just a little bit. We drift away a little bit. Why? I have issues that I can't deal with you. You're driving me crazy. You're driving her crazy. So I just like bury it. I'm, like, I'm not going there. But in a week, in a month, in a year, in two years, in three years, you're living in different worlds. And everything that happens confirms your suspicions, your accusations. And the resentment builds. And even if you're a nice person, and you're a civil person, and you're a geshmaka guy, you're a nice person, but internally there's no trust. What was the mistake? The mistake was right in the beginning, when you drifted away. There was something bothering her, something bothering you. Instead of talking about it, understanding each other, respecting each other, disagreeing respectfully, you processed it on your own. Now let's understand this. And this is a sensitive issue. Many of us are not comfortable with our emotions. Many of us are not comfortable with our emotions. Especially if you grew up in an environment where there was not a lot of emotion. Some people grew up in situations where there is much more emotional constipation. You know what emotional constipation is? We don't feel things. We just do things. And we have good excuses. We're soldiers. Or whatever the language is. So sometimes you're afraid of your emotions. You never dealt with them. You don't even know what they are. This is just one possible example. Huh? Giving an example of comfortable with emotions? Yeah. Yeah, let's say I'm having a lot of pain from something. So some people will just start crying. And some people, they'll never start crying. In a million years. They'll die before they start crying. They will die. And they do it. They take a die. <laughs> they take a die. You look at them. You, you look at it, you're looking at a, a zombie. You're looking at a machine. He, he amputated his heart. Life is painful. Hashem gave women a natural uh, uh, sensitivity to emotions. The Gemara says, They cry easy and so forth. And a lot of chevre, a lot of guys, they're like, oh my God, let's not go here. But we also have emotions. Everybody has emotions. And when I'm, feeling, when I'm feeling that pain, if I just bury it or cut it out of my life or disconnect myself from it, I'm disconnecting myself from the other person. Because we are all emotional. We all have sensitivities. We all have ideas, but we have emotions. And emotions are how I'm feeling about things, the pain I'm experiencing, the happiness I'm experiencing, the fear I'm experiencing, the loneliness I'm experiencing, the sadness I'm experiencing. One of the most important things in a marriage 
Probably uh, Mr. Lam will talk about I don't know what he's talking about. I just know he's good. But uh, I assume he's going to talk a lot about a nice word called attachment. I don't know. We'll see if I'm right. But because uh, attachment today in psychology is very, very big. It's actually cutting-edge psychology. And that is, I'll just say it very, very bekitzer. I hope I'm not, I don't know. It's, just, it's interesting stuff. They used to think, I don't know if you know, for example, till the 1960s, if you had a kid in the hospital, you weren't allowed to stay with them in the hospital. You came to visit and you left. Even a little baby, even a mother, you weren't allowed to stay with the kid in the hospital. The philosophy was, kids got to grow up fast, and they got to grow up without people spoiling them. The idea of, I love you, I love you, I love you. Today people tell their kids, I love you, like 9,000 times a day. Amal, some people never heard from their father, I love you. It wasn't a regular thing. When I grew up, the words love was not a used word. It was not a used word. Very, very seldom. Especially, you know, parents, grandparents who went through, we always blame everything on Hitler and Stalin. <laughs> They're guilty for every dysfunction in Jewish life, for every dysfunction in marriage, for every problem in your house. The culprit is Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler. If you come from Russia, it's Stalin. If you come from anywhere else outside of Russia, it is Hitler. The problem is if you're an American for five and six generations. Then you go to therapy because there's nobody to blame. Uh, <laughs> very, very good. The Civil War. <laughs> General Lee. General Lee. <laughs> very good. The Civil War. Good. If your parents fought in the Civil War, it had 600,000 casualties. Your great-grandparents in the times of the Tzamaq Tzedek. 18, uh, 1865. And Lincoln lost his life. So... Uh, and anyway, don't speak against my friend Trump. <laughs> the guy who likes me. So, uh, finally attachment, finally attachment. It all changed by a fellow named, and he deserves credit, his name was John Bowlby. He's an English doctor from Britain. And he fought this. And he said it's a disaster. You leave the kid in the hospital, four years old, and the kid is panicking, the kid is screaming, and the doctor said, yeah, yeah, that's what you do, you don't, the idea of kissing children and cutting them too much was considered a bad thing, it nurtures dependence, it nurtures um, insecurity, it nurtures people being dependent on others and not growing up to be macho, secure, confident, I'm my own man, this is, it was mocked on, it was mocked at. It's too much. It's like you make them babies. You turn them into babies. And he did experiments with animals. And he made videos. And first they fired him and they mocked him. And then he demonstrated, medically, through science, the devastating results. And if today, somebody has a child in the hospital and the parents are there, he gets the credit. Till the 1960s, it did not exist, this concept. And from there, it developed later, from children into adults, into marriages that it's actually the other way around. The more attachment, the more independence, the more self-confidence. And I'll give you an example you've seen in this growing up in your own house. And God willing, you'll have children, you'll see it with your children. I have a four-year-old baby, a three-year-old kid. And he's playing Lego in my family room, right? He's playing Lego. He's sitting there playing Lego for an hour and a half. Doesn't look up. He's busy with his Lego. And then after an hour and a half, he looks up. And mommy's in the kitchen on the phone, of course, with her sister. 
talking about whatever sisters talk about two o'clock in the afternoon when they're thinking about dinner. And what does he do? Mommy is there. He goes right back to the Lego for another hour, hopefully. What happens if mommy is not there? He starts searching for mommy everywhere. What happens if mommy saw how immersed he was in the Lego, so mommy decided to take a trip to Costco? Or Century 21. And this four-year-old, three-year-old is looking all around for mommy, and mommy, Hayelish, mommy is not there. He's screaming, he's crying, he's panicking, he's looking everywhere for her. When he finds her in the bathroom or in the bedroom, he is relaxed. What happened? You see what happened? As long as he knew mommy was in the kitchen, he can go do his own thing. He has the security to be able to be relatively independent as a four-year-old, of course. When mommy is not there, he's searching for her everywhere. And they came to realize from a psychological perspective that those of us who did not have proper attachment in our youth were looking for it everywhere. And we sometimes just try to be confident and independent only to avoid the pain of not having attachment, which means we're not even independent and confident. We're just trying to avoid our pain. Because attachment is a very serious thing. And if you didn't have it as a child, it's very, very difficult. And you look for it. And you look for it everywhere. And sometimes with our spouses, it plays itself out tremendously. You're feeling a sense of detachment. You're feeling a sense of loneliness. And you go crazy. And how do we go crazy as adults? We don't stand by our wife's bedroom and say, <laughs> you're 26 years old, that ain't happening. You know what we do? We're much more sophisticated. We're not so honest. You know what we do? We're like, who is she, Bechla? I don't even need her. I was so good off as a bacher. You see what you just did? This was the way, when you were three years old, you would go, <laughs> don't leave me without telling me. But now you're 26. You're like, why did I end up with her? I knew this shotgun didn't know what he's talking about. And my mother just chopped me at iron and I was pressured to get this the most stupidest thing. She's not for me. You see what happened? Your pain got into anger, resentment, frustration. It has nothing to do. You just need a big hug. <laughs> and somebody has to tell you, you're not lonely. You're not lonely. You're not lonely. Now imagine you can tell this to your wife. You know what happens? You become very close. That part that would have caused your greatest distance becomes now the strongest link in your marriage. And there's nothing like fortifying a marriage like taking the weakest link and turning it into the strongest link. Do you understand what I just said? There's no powerful like is hapcha. When you take the weakest link in the marriage and you turn that into the strongest link, it's called Ashtar Shayatzalov Irur. And then becomes Muchsik, becomes Mu'usher. It's a greater star than the original star. In other words, when something would separate you, because this is really bothering me when you do this or when you say this, and now you go to your wife and say, I have to talk to you about this. And she could listen to you. And she could do this with you about her stuff. And you could learn to understand each other's pains and each other's sensitivities. Wow. Now, you took that which could have made you go this way, and that itself became an instrument of attachment and connection. That's very powerful. I just now went on a little journey with you for a few minutes, just giving one example in life. 
But this exists in so many other examples in life. I was just using one model. But this model may not apply to you at all, but other models may apply to you. From your tempers, to tantrums, to your deep fears, or any other issue in your life. This is the person you want to bring it up with in a respectful way. In a way that you can, that you could bond. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, because you don't have any of these issues, don't see it as a chesaron in you. Tavoy alecha bracha. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Some people are really just very wholesome people. They don't even understand this language. It's great. If you do understand this language, unfortunately, <laughs> meaning if you're struggling with this language, it's just important to be aware of it. This is not here, it's not a mitzvah to create problems when they don't exist, ever. Called the Pashat Malat Sometimes things are just smooth, easy, wholesome, great. And you could leave right now, we're good. But the point here is that every person has usually some stuff and we always want to be able to identify it and, and, uh, and talk about it. We now come to the next point that I want to share with you. And that has to do with... That has to do with... A general principle called fear. You know that old song? I think it comes from Nachman of Breslov. What does it say? The world is a... Uh, what do they sing in camp? It's a narrow bridge. The main thing is not to fear. Everything should be as smooth and as easy. When any challenge comes up, the thing I'd say to you is... Don't fear. You are bigger than any challenge. You are bigger than any trauma. You are bigger than any pain. Don't fear. Don't fear any emotion. You may have an emotion one day that you're going crazy. You may have an emotion one day that you want to... And I don't mean that you're going to have it. And I hope you never have it. But you may have it. I want to get divorced. You may have an emotion. I want to run away. You may have an emotion. I don't want to have another child ever. You may have an emotion. I'm never speaking to my mother again. My sister. My sister-in-law. My wife. My shvige. My shver. Don't be afraid of your emotions. Ever. Emotions are just babies throwing tantrums. You ever saw a baby throwing a tantrum, right? The worst thing a mother can do is call 911. <laughs> My baby's throwing a tantrum! Like a mouse on the counter. You know the difference between Scharim uh, and the caves when it comes to a mouse? You don't know? Okay. Well, if you're living in Brooklyn, there's going to be a mouse that comes into your house. Your wife, huh? <laughs> Women are very powerful people, but not when there's a mouse around. You don't panic from an emotion. You're bigger than your emotion. An emotion is... What does it say in Tanya? The mind are parents. Emotions are children. Your child is... Tanya Peri Gimel again, right? Your children are sometimes throw tantrums. They're very terrified. It's fine. It's a great lesson to learn about your child. But don't worry. Don't go crazy from it. And don't make decisions based on it. So I say to you, don't be afraid of anything that comes up in your heart. It may be overwhelming. You're bigger than it. It's not your core. 
You're stronger than it. You could contain it like this, like you contain. I go to my little child. I pick him up and I go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Don't scream at it. Don't judge it. Don't cut it out. Don't deny it. Don't bury it. Don't repress it. You don't put tape on your child's mouth. You don't do that. But you don't have to run to Hatsola and run to the hospital <laughs> and break windows, etc. It's fine. These things come up in life. What do you have to do? Look at it. Learn from it. Try to understand what's going on. And do those things you have to do in order to help yourself and your spouse for the future. Sometimes we are your Bachrim or newly married. We grow up in a culture where, uh, for reasons of Tzniyas and Halacha and, and psychological serenity, the genders live separately. So we grew up in a, what's called a Bachrisha culture. And that adjustment is an important adjustment. Sometimes you talk to your wife like you speak to a bacher, right? But she's not a bacher. She's a girl. And it's important to learn about that. So if you grew up with sisters, you know about it a little more. Or if you have a good relationship with your mother. If you didn't grow up with sisters and you have a lousy relationship with your mother, then you probably don't know about it. So it's just important... To be sensitive to the fact women love expressing their emotions. Women love talking about their day. We don't. We don't. If you have a hard day, you come home from work or from Kailal or wherever you are, your office, and you come home, and your wife is going to look at you and say, so how was your day? And you're already in a bad mood from the question. Because our philosophy is, it's hard enough that I had to go through the day. Now you want me to talk about it? We don't do that. Instead, we like to hide in a cave and stay there for the rest of the night. It's called being on your phone, doing your shiurim, whatever it is. The main thing is, I'm not going to start talking about my day. With women, usually, not always, but usually it's the opposite. When they have a hard day, how do you deal with a hard day? You talk about it, but not once. Once with your sister, second time with your other sister, third time with your mother, fourth time with your friend. Fifth time with another friend. After seven, eight times of giggling and crying, then the day feels better. These are things, again, examples, illustrations, where life takes adjustments. And it's really funny. When the Torah wants to describe Yitzchak's relationship with Rivka, Yitzchak laughed with Rivka, his wife. And Avimelech saw through the window and he understood that they're husbands and wives. Now, a brother and a wife can't make jokes. Metzachik doesn't mean jokes. <laughs> Metzachik means a relationship, intimacy. Why is it called Metzachik? Part of a relationship is that you have to be able to know how to laugh. It's about humor. Humor means you have to be able not to take your ego so seriously. Like to be able to celebrate each other and laugh about it. It's very healthy for a couple to develop a sense of humor about themselves and their differences. Not to laugh at each other. That's not a good idea. It's not going to fly. To laugh with each other. 
Life is very interesting. It's very humorous. In fact, God's idea to put a husband and a wife together, it could have only been God's idea. I don't know who came up with no No human being would come up with this idea because they're so different. It's such an interesting phenomenon why Hashem wanted it this way. But this is exactly Now, part of this connection, for it to be successful, part of it, it has to be constant. A relationship is like oil in a Hanukkah menorah. It doesn't burn on its own. It's like a flower pot. You have to water it every single day. You can't rely that the relationship a month ago was good. A relationship is constant. It's always communicating. There was a big therapist who once told me that uh, a husband and a wife, for them to have a good relationship, they have to connect every three hours. Every three hours... They have to feel connected. I love you, honey. I'm thinking of you. What's going on? How was your day? Every three hours. I looked at him. I said, what? Every three hours? Who does that? Who has time every three hours? He says, with your brother? Not. Your brother could be every three months. (laughs) Maybe every three weeks. Maybe every three days. Depends on your relationship. But with your spouse? There's too much closeness. That if after three hours, no connection, you already start going this way. However, he said, that night when you come home, you could bring it back together because it's not so much. The two lines just went like this. But what happens after two, three, four, five days? You're already in different worlds. With your brother, it wouldn't happen that way. You know why? You call your brother and you're back to where you were a month ago. But imagine you're married, and then you take a trip to New Zealand for a month. You come back, and you tell your wife, now let's pick up where we were a month ago. It's not going to work. Because there's too much at stake. There's too much closeness. There's too much trust that's needed. There's too much a wife expects from a husband, and a husband expects from a wife. What do they expect from each other? V'hayu l'basar echot. Oneness. How do you, can I expect oneness from you? How can you expect oneness from me? If we're always connecting. So he said every three hours. And if not, by night you have to make up for that. And if one night happened, and you did it, the next night you have to make up for those two days. Now, I don't know if the number is three hours, but the idea is a very, very powerful idea. Do not underestimate this. And I'm talking, of course, not when you're engaged. Then there shouldn't be every three hours. But I'm talking about after marriage when there's the Vahayu Labasar Echot. One thing I'm going to tell you in life, and I don't mean to sound pessimistic, I'm not a pessimistic at all. I'm very optimistic. But it's so important to be a mensch, whatever happens. Let's face it. Sometimes there are difficult situations and you have to make difficult decisions. Whatever you do, I beg you, be a mensch. Don't be a behemoth. Don't be a chaya. Don't let victory cloud your better judgment. Don't let anger and yeshes and natschanes turn you into an animal. It happens. It happens constantly. I was invited to a mitzvah in New York. A divorced couple. The boy is living with the mother, but he made up a mitzvah. The father made up a mitzvah. And he invited a lot of guests because he knew this kid came from a broken family. He wanted to give him a geshmak of a mitzvah. 
He had 300 guests. He made a huge party. Who didn't show up at the Bar Mitzvah? The boy. The mother didn't let her son go. This was her way of taking revenge from her husband. And you know what happened then? The rumor got, rumor went around, you know, today with WhatsApp, everybody knows it before already. It used to, you have to go to, you have to go to the mikveh to hear about it. Today, uh, today is already, uh, you hear before, Tadamikrovaniyana. Almost every friend this guy had, and all the Rabbonim of the community, everybody came. It became almost a Nicham Avelim fest for the father. It was, it was, his, it was his event because the boy never showed up. And I thought to myself, what this mother, what she's going to have to tell to this boy when he grows up and finds out what she did to him? What happened? People become crazy from Natschanas. I hate you, and I'm going to take revenge. Natschanas means uh, I just want to win. And in order to win, I'll do anything. I'll destroy my life, I'll destroy your life. Is it contempt? Uh, similar. The contempt. People become crazy people, like addicts. Addicts to win. I'll do anything. They'll destroy their kids. The kids become missiles. And I say to you, sup, hopefully you'll have those beautiful marriages, but there's challenges. Always be a mensch. When you're a mensch, it's not only the other person wins. You win. Your kids win. Everybody wins. Nothing you don't lose. You have to have all of chassidus. Calling in a chassidus is... You remember what it says? Ribsadigan, the Moshe says from Ribsadigan, Lashanois Tevamidais. To be a mensch, to be nice, to be kind. And that's in every marriage, the best marriage. There's going to be a question what to do for Pesach. <laughs> Are we going to her parents? I mean, you know the Yushvigar, not the easiest person, right? What do you do for Pesach? What do you do for the summer? What do you do for Sukkot? What do you do for Shoshan? What do you do for... You'll figure it out. You've got to discuss it and figure it out. But be a mensch. Be a mensch. Under all circumstances. Now sometimes you're very angry. You're angry. You're hurt. That's fine. Respect it. Feel it. Your kid is throwing a tantrum. Remember, your little baby is throwing a tantrum. That's fine. But don't let it rule over you. When you have to make decisions and you're not sure what to do, it's good to stop and ask yourself, I'm 100 years old in Palm Beach, Florida, on the beach, and I'm looking back at this day when I was 25 years old, and these were the two choices. Which choice would I be more proud of? And when you're 100 years old, you're pretty calm and lucid and not drunk. And the Xavier has been off for 60 years already, so you're good. And then you could think with more clarity. Just think, which decision would you be more proud of? This decision or that decision? And then go, and then go ahead of it. Then, then go ahead. Then go ahead and do it. Remember something else. This is a Torah, this is a Vart I had the schus to hear from the Rebbe, the last Fabregnan ever. Till Mashiach comes. Shabbos Parashas Vayakel, Chof Hei Adirishin, Tov Shinon is the first Sicha. This was the last Fabregnan the Rebbe held two days before Chavzayan Adir Aleph, Shabbos Mavarchim Adir Beis. The Rebbe said, said a Vart. And I could still, I could still see with my eyes. I could see the Rebbe saying it. Here is holy, saintly voice. It was Parshas Shkolem. So the Rebbe said every carbon had to be shalem, complete. That was a halacha. One exception: machzis hashekel. If you wanted to give a full shekel, sorry. What's the machzis hashekel for? The carbonus. The carbon has to be tamim, wholesome. Here. 
only machzus. Dafke half. Why? Jew wants to give a whole. No, you can't give a dollar. You have to give 50. You have to give 50%. We always want shleimos, tmimos. So you said, you see in the Pesach, it says, machzus ha-shekel. Esrim geira is shekel ha-koidish, and you give half. So the Pesach Guru said, Esrim geira. What if it's say 20 and you give half of 20? Just say 10. It's like, I'll tell you, it's going to cost you $20, half of 20. <laughs> half of 20, just say 10. The machzus ha-shekel. The two questions are answered one with each other. The Rebbe said then, we don't give machzus ha-shekel. We give a whole shekel. Why? Because two Jews, every Jew on his own is half. Together with you, I'm whole. So I'm not giving a machzus. I'm giving a machzus. You're giving a machzus. We're two halves of one. So we're giving a whole shekel together. That's why it says Esrim Geda, not Esra Geda. You're not giving Esra, you're giving Esrim. Because who are you? You're connected to somebody else. Somebody else is connected to you. Fakir, the Torah would say, give a whole shekel. Then what would it be? Then you're giving yourself a whole shekel. Then you're actually half. <laughs> then you're incomplete because you only have half of you. When I realize I'm part of you, you're part of me. You give half and I give half because we are together one. We're giving one shekel. This was one of the main points of the Rebbe's last Fabrengen. In marriage, I would say it's a critical point. Machzis HaShekel. And it's not Stamaremez. When Eliezer met Rivka the first time, what did he give her? Shnei Tzmidim. Right? What does Rashi bring over there? Rashi says, this Chasana, he brings all the Ramazim, the Ramazim of the Shnei Luchas and the Machzis HaShekel, and so forth. Why is this so important with the first Shidduch of Eliezer and Rivka? He had to be Miram's Machtas HaShekel and the gifts that he gave her. Because this is the side of a marriage. There's no such a thing, I'm successful without my spouse. Or my spouse is successful without me. If she doesn't win, I didn't win. If she lost, I lost. If she's miserable, I'm going to be miserable. Why? It's Machtas. You're one. You got to work this out together. Sometimes I'm tempted to say, I'm out. I'm not Machzis. Go, go, go back home. That's not going to work. There's such a concept called a get, which is very painful. But you don't amputate your leg the first thing. You come to the doctor, I have an infection. Cut off my leg. You don't do that. It's the last resort if there's no other way. You always want every part of your body. Amputate my hand! You don't amputate hands because there's an infection. You work with it. You try to heal it. Because even afterwards, there's phantom pain. It's not easy to get rid of it. So what's this idea of Machzis? is the recognition, the awareness that we're in this together. we got to work this out together. We have to be able to communicate we have to be able to communicate together. Now sometimes, this is a very sensitive topic, and if you really don't understand what I'm talking about, I'm happy. Some of us have suffered trauma. You may be aware of it, you may not be aware of it. Some of you are aware of it. If you have been hurt, molested, abused, you grew up with neglect, push it neglected, or you grew up with emotional abuse, or physical abuse, or sexual abuse, or other things happened in your life that caused you to be shaken up. But sometimes it's not so simple. Sometimes 
you're a very sensitive person, and things happen over the years. And you really have a lot of difficulties inside. You may have social anxiety. You may have very difficult difficulty communicating. You may have an issue with trust. You may have an issue with love. You may have an issue with different parts of your body. These are all very, very real things. Sometimes as a bacher, you can cover it up. Because, you know, the main thing is you're learning Gemara. Nobody knows or cares about your trauma. Unless you had one good person at yeshiva who could see in your eyes how much pain you had. But very often it goes unnoticed. But in a marriage, it's going to come to the fore. It's going to come to the fore in many ways, and that's a blessing. And remember, there's something called today epigenetics. It's not today, it exists from Adam and Chava. But epigenetics means, they used to think that trauma doesn't go to generations after. It means if my parents suffer trauma, right, they may do something that's negative, but I don't inherit it genetically. It's not a genetic thing. Today they know that it's not true. Like it says in Tanya Pedik that Avram Avinu had a neshama, and he was moirishet lebonov. Pasha, there's a genetic mutation in the Jewish soul. But you also have it in the negative. So things go generational. They're mama generational. Now we live in a time, a very interesting time. Uh, the Rebbe says about this kufa that nestaima avoides habirurim. Yeah, what's pshat? You know when you have uh, wine with sediments, right? Shmarim, and the sediment is mixed up with the wine. So the wine looks good. But there comes a tufa, right? Right before the gula, that Hashem wants all the shmarim out of the wine. So what does he do? <laughs> he stirs up the bottom. You know the chalant, the, the dregs at the end, uh, at, the, at the bottom. He stirs it up, and all of it, all of it comes to the top. So that's the matzah in today's day. Everything comes to the top. In other words, my father could have gotten away with things, and he was the most wonderful father in the world. If I do the same thing, I'm like a child abuser. Right? Today, like a lot of things are coming up with sensitivities, and somehow Hashem wants us to deal with it. I don't know why, but we got to deal with all these stuff. Any tiny dysfunctions that your Baba had all the way back to the Nachash Akadmaini. For 5,000 years, nobody noticed it. And today, it's like, wow, you're dysfunctional. But this is how they did it. Five and a half thousand years, they were dysfunctional. I know. But this is Nestaim Avadis It all got to get out. This is two of a holy generation. Everything got to spit up. I'm telling you something very deep, boys. All the toxicity is coming out. You see it in the yeshivas, you see it in the girls' schools, you see it in the teenagers, you see it in chasanam and college, you see it in couples. Your parents lived together 55 years, and they had all the issues you have and much worse. And nobody said boo. <laughs> and today, my life in therapy already, 15 years, you're in therapy, you don't know what hit you. Really, why didn't your father go to therapy for 65 years? Huh? I know, I know, and I know Stalin. I know all the excuses. I know, I've been around. I've been around a lot. My point is, don't get scared. This is your generation of the end of all the Birurim. So all the dirt is coming up. You know why? Not because you're dirty. Because we have to get rid of it. It's very powerful. Not because you're dirty. Because you have to get rid of it. You have the power... To get rid of it. And therefore, don't be afraid of your traumas. 
Depends who your father is. Depends if you need his money. <laughs> Depends on a lot, a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you should learn in Shulchan Aruch Kibudav how you speak to a father. That's regardless. There's a mitzvah of Kibudav even in 2019, believe it or not. Kabbadah is even in Tavshin Pei. Even though our fathers and mothers are not perfect, you still respect them because they're your father and mother. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean you agree with them. There's a whole tshuva of the Alter Rebbe in Shalsa Tshuva Zadmur Hazakim about changing the Nusach of, uh, you know, I give my Amunah Shirim here, Monsi. So a guy comes to me after a shear and he says, he, he started to go with a blue shirt and a baseball cap. You know how the Hasidim, when they want to become modern, you know, they put on like the baseball, the baseball cap and the, the blue shirt. And his father's going crazy. His father says this is against the Messiah. And he wants to know if it's a mitzvah kibbut of that he has to take off the, like such a cap and put on the beaver, the, the, the beaver hat. You know, the, huh? Not the strimal, the weekday, whatever type of Hasidic hat. Yeah. You want to know if that's the get of kibbut of. Okay, interesting. Al Rebbe has a tshuva if changing the nusach of your father's davening to a new nusach, if it's against kibbut of. Keep my father, your father says, I want you to dive in this nose. I want you to go to this Rebbe. I want you to go to this Yeshiva. I want your kids to be in this environment. And Alter Rebbe Paskins over there from a Rajba. The Rajba says, nothing to do, that's nothing to do with Kippodav. It's not disrespectful to your father. If I want to dive in a different Nusachat filler, or if I want to go to my Rebbe, because this is my relationship with that, I'm not bothering my father. I'm not. Kippodav is helping my father in things that he needs. Okay, but that's a separate sugya. In any case, Sometimes, here's the deal. Sometimes you can't function with your trauma. Then it's important to dig. Sometimes you don't have to dig. Sometimes just be aware of what's going on in you and don't let it control your life. In Chesidus, there's two expressions. a kafya and Ishapcha. Ishapcha means you transform the pain. Ishapcha means you don't transform the pain. You're aware of it. You give it its space, but you don't let it control your life. I may have very difficult things in my system. I told you, my kid may be throwing a tantrum. I'm talking about my own kid inside here. Notice it. Respect it for what it is. But you don't have to let it control your life. In our marriages, things come up. A lot of things come up. A lot of difficult things come up. We can't always do ishapcha. We can always do ishapcha. You understand what I'm, how I'm explaining to you? Is kaf in a sabcha? Huh? I can give a lot of examples. I'm using two terms that are that are used in the, in Chabad Hasidic literature. They come from the Zohar. Ishapcha means transformation. Iskafya means subjugation, but that's not the real translation. That's just the Hasidic text translations. The real translation of Eskafia is, I don't know the exact word, but it's identifying the challenge and choosing to do and follow your truest values. Just like in Tanya of the Tzaddik and the Benini. The Tzaddik transforms his animal soul. The Benini doesn't. He has an animal inside. And sometimes that animal looks like a rhinoceros or a hippopotamus or a big elephant. During the season. 
when the testosterone is really, really intense, you don't want to get in the elephant's way. I don't know if you ever, if you know about elephants during that time, or a lion is during a hunt, or you just have a little chimp, a little cute monkey, or a huge chimpanzee or ape. Some of us have dinosaurs, and some of us are little ants. That's what our nefesh Bahamas looks like. But ants are also interesting creatures, or bees. I can't always transform it. I can identify it, look at it, feel it, experience it, understand where it's coming from, but not allow it to control my life. And when it comes to your own traumas, your own pain, your own insecurities, your own fears, your own flaws, your own dilemmas, your own struggles, and your own issues, what we call, sometimes you got to dig, figure it out, uproot it. Sometimes you don't have to dig. Be aware of it and move on. How do you know the difference? how functional you are and how happy you are. If I'm really a miserable person, I just don't have a moment of serenity. I can't function. This, this, my wife is always triggering me. And I'm just, I, I hate my life. Then you, you, then this person, you need, you need to get, you, you owe yourself to get yourself help. But, sometimes, we, but we all have things that come up and they cause us challenges, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's I could move on. I can feel it, I can look at it, I can pay respect to it. My baby throwing a tantrum is not the end of the world. I can hug it, and I can say, okay, now, let's move on. We've got to go to the store, we've got to go to school, we've got to go. So you really have to know within yourself uh, what's happening. And I want to mention something about getting help. I want to mention something about getting help, which is very important. Don't be embarrassed to get the help you need. But you have to be a cons- a, an informed consumer. Don't let anybody sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. You know best, which means if you need help at any point in your life, for yourself, for your marriage, get the help. Whether it's a therapist, a professional, a social worker, a social worker, a good friend, a good rav, a good mashpia, a good confidant, whatever the right name is. If it's not working, if you see you're not getting better, move on. It's like a shidduch. You don't date a girl forever. You know, you date two, three, it's not for you. Move on. Don't sell your soul to anybody. Nobody owns you. It's very important. You know the story that ever told Rabbi Weinreb, right? Sometimes you have to talk to yourself. You know the story. If somebody's not helping you, Next. I don't mean if they're scaring the daylights out of you. Then you should stay with them. <laughs> if they're challenging you, stay with them. If they're getting you to deep places, stay with them. But if it's really not working, if they're just not doing anything for you, don't be afraid to move on. But don't be embarrassed to go for help. Never be embarrassed. It's so sad when people, there's help out there. There's good help out there. And I'm now going to make this offer in parentheses, since you're all here, that as you continue your life, if there's something that comes up that you feel that a person like myself or a person like Mr. Lamb, who will be here later, can help you, reach out. Reach out with an email. Because there's a lot of good people out there. Not everybody is good. <laughs> Some people give stupid advice. Just like doctors. There's the best, there's mediocre, and there's lousy ones. Same as with rabbis. Yeah. Say, often, often. Same as with therapists. Same as with mashpiyim. Some are exceptional, some are fine, and some are actually not good. <laughs> They're really not good. 
I'm not blaming them, they're just not good. You have to know that in life. Not everyone that has a title, right, or has a long white beard, is brilliant. You know what I mean? Or maybe brilliant, but has what to say to you. Maybe has what to say to somebody else. Don't fall prey to the fact that some people are excellent for you, and some people are not. But I'm giving you this offer that you should feel free to reach out, because I may not be able to help you, but I may be able to give you a contact, or somebody else that you could reach out to, but don't be afraid to go out of your secrets and, uh, and ask people for, uh, for help. I want, to say, I want to say a few more points. I'm going to try to go through this a little swifter. But I want to cover it at least Bekitz and Nimritz. When the Pasuk describes marriage the first time, it says, Loi toi veyoisa adam levadai, eseloi ezer kinegdai. Not good for man to be alone. The first thing Hashem says is not good in Chumash. I sometimes ask people at a lecture, if you had to describe what's the first thing in Judaism that God says is not good, it's not good, what would it be? And most people say, idolatry, right? Heresy, kfira. That's not the first thing that's loytoiv. The first thing that's loytoiv is what? A yoysa adam levadai. To be alone. The first thing that's not good is when you feel alone. Because loneliness is the worst. And alone doesn't mean you're in a room alone. Alone, you could be in a room with a hundred people. <laughs> but you're alone in the sense, I'm a lonely person. My pain is lonely, my misery is lonely, and my agony is lonely. I'm just alone, I'm alone. And you could be in a marriage, and you can have eight kids, and you could be alone. You're just alone. And you could see it on people. Hashem says, So what's the solution? I'm going to make a help. And then he adds the famous word, Wonderful. A help against you. So Rashi says, Zacha, Ezer. Loi Zacha, Kenegdoi. Which in Chesidus is a type. Zacha, if you're refined, she's an Ezer. If you're a Grabe Behema, she's Kenegdoi. Loi Zacha. Zacha, if you're a mensch, Ezer, if not, Loi Zacha. If you're a brute, uh, Hippo, then Kenegdoi. I have nothing against hippos and rhinos, but when people are hippos and rhinos, it's not so good. I like rhinos and hippos. They're supposed to be that. We're talking about people. But Al Tereb teaches in Torah in the Maimel Loitoiv, the Nitziv actually says it in Chumash. No, Ezer Kenegdai means she's always an Ezer. How? By being Kenegdai. Al Tereb is a teach. Moiradik. She's always an Ezer. You can learn the Maimel Loitoiv, Torah Ebereshis. She's always enabled by being connected. Which means there's two types of enjoyments in life. There's superficial enjoyment. Those are called distractions. Milkshake, ice cream, surfing the web, besides the yeshiva.net, but everything else, distractions, distractions. That's one type of Hanoi in life. You go shopping, you buy this, you buy this. And then there's the real enjoyment that comes to inner work. Marriage is Hashem giving us an opportunity to live a very beautiful life, but a deep beautiful life. Not a fast, you know, not a, you say a l'chaim and you get tipsy. That's not marriage. Or a nice new toy, or a nice new gadget, or a nice piece of cheesecake. It comes through the kenegdai. It comes through having a relationship with somebody who's different than you. And you have to work on that. 
And there's difficulties because there's disagreements. Even in the most beautiful marriage, she's not you, you're not her. And that becomes, says the Alter Rebbe, the greatest Azer. The greatest Azer in your life is having somebody who's different than you, different personality, different disposition. And you both grow in the process to become one. And that's the purpose of life. It's what Diri B'Tachtayna means. It's the whole idea of connecting heaven and earth, Gashmir, Saruchin. It's all the same idea. The Kenegdai, Yisrenoim and Achoshech, the Kenegdai brings the greatest Azer. Which is why, this is maybe obvious, but I'll say it anyway. When I was a Chassan, we were fabrenging in 770 with the Mashpir of Shloim Azarchi. And he got a little, uh, he said a little Chayim. And I remember he said a line then. His style, Shloim Azarchi's style. But it left a deep impact on me. He turned to a few of us. We were like engaged or getting engaged or getting married. And he said, the longer you daven, the more you'll be able to have a good marriage. Then he said, the more you love the Rebbe, the more you'll be able to love your wife. And he said, the more you work on your nefesh of Bahamas, the happier your house will be. Now, all of us immediately understood what he said. But, you know, when you're a 17-year-old bach, you're learning chassidus, you don't hear this language, right? Mashpia doesn't say, you know, if you love God, you'll be able to love your wife. <laughs> it's not exactly the 17-year-old language. But at this point, it was very appropriate. And what he was saying is, it's not two worlds. Like you'll say, you know, there's a young man, and then there's a guy who doesn't take it too seriously, but how, what's the connection to marriage? It's very, very much connected. Marriage ultimately is about a relationship. It's about giving. It's about going deeper than your ego. It's about facing your fears. It's about finding your truest self. It's about going out of your comfort zone. It's about finding your deepest atzmias. A Jew who takes Ruchniyah seriously, a Jew who has a relationship with Hashem, is usually the one who can create the most successful marriages. Because if I work on my ego, I can get along with my wife. I know, if I have bittel, I can compromise. If I ask myself, what does Hashem want for me? Then I can ask myself, what does my wife need? When I'm living a life of self-centeredness, of narcissism, of just doing what's easy and comfortable at the moment. It's not just, oh, you're not a frumayid, you don't have your shamayim. Your house is going to be a different house. Then why should I really care about my kids? All I care about my kids is because they're cute. But do I, will I really tune into my child? Will I really tune into my spouse? So I say to you, tired and in the light, the more you have your own relationship with Hashem, the more you learn how to work on yourself, on your own middas. When you learn chassidus, you learn it with a pnimius, with a sincerity. That's the most powerful tool for shalom bias. Because you become a person. You're a mensch. You're a refined person. You're a godly person. You're not a superficial, uh, uh, false person. You're a real person. You're a worked out person. You're not afraid of things. When you're not afraid of your own issues and what we call the Nefesh Bahamas, meaning all your challenges and toxicity, you, 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 will, you will be able to, uh, 
you'll be able to develop a very, very beautiful marriage. It's not two separate things. Having a Rebbe, a real Rebbe I'm talking about, not a fake video Rebbe, a real Rebbe, and having a real relationship with your wife is very, very closely connected. Because if you can really find a connection with a Lakus in yourself, then you could become one with another person. If not, you don't become one with another person. That's what it says in Tanya Perik Lamed Bey, the famous Perik in Tanya. Why should I become one with you? Even if you're my wife, I'll use you. <laughs> if you're beautiful, I'm going to enjoy my wife. Why should I become one with you? I'm one with me. Why should I be one with you? If you make good food, I'll use you. If you do my laundry, extra credit. If you do some other good stuff in, uh, in my marriage, I'll have good. <laughs> I don't have to get very specific here. But remember, if you want to have a successful life in the bedroom, you have to be able to be one outside of the bedroom too. It's not suddenly in the bedroom everybody becomes, doesn't work that way. You have to have a relationship. How do you have a real relationship with somebody? When you have a relationship with your neshama. When you have a relationship with your neshama, then you could be sensitive to another person. Because the nekudah of elokus connects people. Because it's not about ego, it's about wa'achdus, oneness. And the first achdus is lebasa echa. That's the eze, eze kenegdeh. More ruchnius, more pnimius, more avoidus Hashem, more bittel. More bittel, more love. More chumrius, more grabkeit, more yeshes. More yeshes, less love. He didn't mean those words. He meant that, that concept. If you love the Rebbe, you'll be able to love your wife. In other words, you could love something that's not your own yeshes. You could dedicate yourself to something. You understand? That's the word. You could be dedicated to something. You could look at yourself in the mirror and say, I want to become a better person. If you can do that, you're good to go. If I can't do that, if everything has to be my way, and I'm not ready to challenge myself, and I'm just looking for more comfort, and more comfort, and more comfort, I'm looking for superficial comfort. I'm not looking for deep joy. I'm not looking for the real Azer. Then I don't want to deal with Kenegde. Who wants to deal with Kenegde? There's a t-shirt I once saw. I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. <laughs> but if that's my motto in life, that's... Uh, that's my motto in life. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.